Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. What is up, everybody? You are watching and or listening to the Belly Up Fantasy Live football show, uh, Tuesday, November, uh, September 21st. Uh, days. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep. Um, joined, of course, by my co-host, Chris Dauhauer, Justin Herrera, at SemtexMex93 on Twitter. Of course, I am your host, Adam LaRue. Um Week two is now complete. Um, some pretty good games, some pretty ugly games. Not early slate. Um, how'd you guys do? How like how'd you enjoy it? How are your fantasy teams? Win any money betting? How was it? I'm curious to know if anybody won any money betting because all the all the 
favorites, and especially the double-digit favorites, weren't winning by double digits if they did win. Uh, it was definitely one of the interesting weekends, and a lot of things we thought we learned in week one, we pretty much had to forget about because it's not what happened in week two. My spread bets sucked, but my saving grace for the weekend was my uh, my player prop bets were did well. We were three and zero on the weekend there. Uh, I was especially proud of uh, my man Mike Williams, who who got the over on receiving yards in the first half. I was big, big for big start for for the weekend for me. So uh, yeah, that was big. But but like I said, yeah, spread was tough, tough on me. How about you, Justin? Yeah, I think the only team that actually covered their spread like one of the bigger spreads was uh the monday night game the packer game because they ended up covering yes. the 12 and a half point spread that was on, on <laughs> that Sunday. was a close one too i know I <laughs> worried about that one down till the end <laughs> i mean how many people were playing like eliminator challenges and thinking oh shoot did i like seriously like are the lions gonna beat the packers <laughs> right right yeah absolutely uh, so how are the fantasy teams doing? They're doing well, everyone. Oh For yeah, two weeks. Oh yeah, two weeks in. I've got the O and twos. I've got the two and Os, and I've got everything in between. So <laughs> I, I don't know where I made good decision making. <laughs> it's all spread out. <laughs> I love it. Love yeah, it. for myself, I, I primarily focus on two different leagues, and I'm one and one at both leagues, and it's kind of tale of two, two, you know, two weeks, just like mm-hmm. week one, week two. We're in the NFL. I was one leagues I scored the high score by far last week, and this week I was low score by far. So I mean, the people like Larry yeah. Cooper on my team who blew up did nothing. Antonio Brown, another one of the guys who did great week one, did nothing week two. So yeah, I definitely struggled in one of my week my leagues this week for sure. Yeah, every every league that I spent money on, um, so every paid league that I'm in, I am one and one, and every one of them I was a top two scorer one of the two weeks and really struggled the other one. So, yeah, it's, it's just been an interesting start to the NFL season. We will have that, of course. Um, so let's get into the show, shall we? Um, before we do that, we have uh, a word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Our client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first round picks. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers' front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. That uh, the coach's whistle always gets me. It gets me every time. <laughs> uh, so if you listened in last week, you, you know how this works. We're going to go through a rapid recap of last week's games. A uh, real quick handful of points on each game. Uh, keep it moving. Uh, Chris, you are up first with the Thursday night game. Yeah, so that Thursday night game, we're getting a little spoiled with good Thursday night games. I didn't expect it to be a good game, but it definitely not at was. All. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and especially a decently scoring game, but 
Yeah, so starting off, you have the Giants in Washington. Um, I'll start off the Washington side with, you know, the team with the worst <laughs> team in, in sports. Um, I think Taylor Hankey was very pleasant surprise for a lot of people, especially Taylor McGuire owners. I think that you're excited about seeing what you saw Terry McLaurin. You were kind of worried about seeing Bradbury in coverage, and it didn't really matter who covered him. He was getting the ball, and he was being effective. Um, I think that was really encouraging. I think one of the less encouraging things was to see um, Antonio Gibson continue kind of a slow start. I think people kind of expected him to be much more effective by now. He wasn't heavily involved in the passing game. He continues to come out in third downs. You saw J.D. McKissick at about 84 yards receiving, which you, everybody, every Gibson owner is like, why wasn't that me? Um, but mm -hmm. a big part of that is because he's not playing in third down still. And so that Christian McCaffrey role we've kind of talked about all season hasn't really materialized. He's still being targeted in the passing game, just not on, like I said, obvious passing situations. And then you had to look at the kind of the rest of the team. Um, nobody really else stepped up. Logan Thomas had an okay game and four catches for about 40 yards. He could have had a touchdown, um, so it would have you know, definitely been more effective for him. So he's still a guy you definitely want to have rostered for your teams. But I think if you look at the rest of the receiving core, nobody really stepped up. You saw Brown a little bit more involved, but he continues to kind of be an afterthought in the offense. Um, and I think for me, that was pretty much what I took out of that in, in the Washington side. For the Giants side, uh, Daniel Jones is turning into Lamar Jackson suddenly. Um, and <laughs> he had 95 yards rushing. I think that was people were super excited. And I mean, I've the Daniel Jones have, rushing yards over also hit very early. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've been like the I've been bashing one. Daniel Jones all off season. Yes, um, and I mean, especially as fantasy purposes. But if this guy's going to continue to run for 70, 90 yards a game, I mean, that gives him a hell of a floor. So you definitely, you know, we all like rushing quarterbacks in fantasy. So this guy has to be kind of on your radar now. I can't believe I'm saying that, but he did after that game, especially. Now I will say the Washington Football Team didn't seem to understand that. There's something called an RPO action where sometimes a quarterback might actually hold on to the ball. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they just kept crashing off the edges, trying to make the big play, make the big hit. So they were tackling Saquon, but he didn't have the ball. So I think that was pretty, very interesting. You saw Sterling Shepard continue to be heavily involved in the passing game. He's definitely Daniel Jones' security blanket. He's Darius Slayton kind of surprisingly continued to be involved in the passing game. He had an opportunity, a nice like, big play, had a chance to score a touchdown, had a chance for another big play. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see him because the one guy who's being forgotten about currently on the offense seems to be Kenny Galladay. You saw him screaming, screaming on the sideline. A lot of people thought it was directed to Daniel Jones. Maybe it was that John, and he came back and said basically it's you know, Jason Garrett who's basically upset about. Um, regardless, whoever it was, he did see eight targets, but he only had three catches for 35 yards. And I, I heard a really good analogy about Kenny Galladay and kind of why he might be struggling right now. If you look at that offense and everybody's kind of rolled, Sterling Shepard's obviously the, you know, the third down possession kind of guy. He runs underneath stuff. Then you have Darius Slayton, who's you know, in a lot more playing time than people kind of expected and a lot more targets, being that deep threat. Even Kenny Galladay, kind of the in-between guy, um, not really a clear route tree for him to run. Does he run underneath? Does he run slants? Does he run curls? Does, what does he run? Because he doesn't really have a clean tree. And he's becoming kind of the second or third read most of the reads, I think, as a result of that, which is why he's probably upset. Um he doesn't quite look like he's quite explosive as he usually is either, so I still think he's kind of rounding into shape, and I'm maybe a little bit of frustration as well. I wouldn't panic on Kenny Galladay. I know we've had a lot of discussions in the offseason about how good he will or won't be in this offense, but it is kind of concerning seeing him, you know, basically be the third option on the offense, especially in the passing game, and Evan Ingram's not back yet. The other kind of thing you kind of pay attention to, of course, was Saquon. He was out there 93% of the snaps. Um... He didn't look super explosive, but you're starting to see him kind of get a little bit more of his legs underneath him. Wasn't really involved in the passing game, which I think Saquon owners might be a little bit concerned about, especially in PPR leagues. Um, but he got he did get targets. 
and it was nice to see him after you know, only four days of practicing, um, being able to continue to be out there for 93% of the snaps. So I think that's definitely, I think that a lot of people, you know, take some positivity out of it despite his kind of poor numbers. Um, definitely better than the first game, and you kind of expect better days ahead of him. Overall, I think it was a real interesting game, super fun to kind of watch. Like I said, I couldn't believe I was actually excited to see a Giants and Washington football team uh, game, but it was. Yeah, so then it was kinda, a good game. Uh, I was just going to say real quick, uh, I was surprised with how uh, worried people were about Saquon um, just because I feel like we knew what to, I thought we knew what to expect going in and that, you know, he wasn't going, he wasn't Saquon yet. Like that's, he, he's getting there. I thought that was a step forward. Um, he's not there yet, but I, I thought it was a promising step. He had a really good run early on. Yeah, yeah. I think people are a little bit spoiled by Adrian Peterson's recurring where he came back from the right. ACL and just like, you know, rushed for 200 yards that first game. So that's not going to happen. You're right. But people should expect it. <laughs> Sorry, Justin, I mean, cut you off. No, it's all good. Just to your point, nobody really comes back like Adrian Peterson. (laughs) ACL, MVP next year. So, you know, whatever, right? But Mm -hmm. um, one of my main main concerns with uh, Saquon wasn't really Saquon. It was the line. That was always kind of like my main concern with drafting him is that he was, one, recovering from a major surgery, and then, two, he has this offensive line that just does not seem to be getting improved. So – that was kind of my yeah. – if there was any – oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I definitely don't disagree with that, but I think one thing we can kind of consider for fantasy purposes specifically is that Washington football team's defenses would be pretty good this year, and so far it has not, especially yeah. with the pass rush. I mean, Daniel Jones did have time, which was surprising. Saquon didn't have huge holes, but he's still getting kind of, you know, had opportunity to have some plays. So I think that's something that you talked about how future that Giants line is. And if they're they're not giving up, you know, heavy pressure to this Washington line, fantasy purposes, you'll know shy away playing against Washington's defense basically this year. So yeah, far, they've been very vanilla for sure. Like they haven't really been putting up too much as far as blitzes and stuff like that. So I, I, I mean, I've been kind of surprised that Washington's gone in like this. They they made a point on the commentary booth to say Washington uh, are they like kind of smelling their own farts, like trying to like you know get in their own heads with how good they are and it's not showing on the field because a lot of people have noticed that they haven't really come out that well. Taking um, that rat poison. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so Saban would say, don't, don't take the rat poison. Don't take the rat um, poison. He knows so the yeah, next game. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to make a The next game I kind of was talking about was the 1 o'clock game. Uh, you had Cleveland versus Houston. Um, I think on the Cleveland side, you had some encouraging things, which are kind of surprising, though. Nick Chubb had a nice game, 95 yards, touchdown. He only had 11 carries. I was very surprised by that. I thought this team would come out you know, utilizing their running game. And they weren't you know, bad, but it wasn't what you kind of expected. This game was much closer in the beginning than many people expected as well. And it seems that maybe the Texans aren't quite the pushover that people had kind of anticipated that they would be, particularly defensively. Um, you know, Baker had a nice game. He was very efficient. Um, the problem is, is that with Jarvis Landry's injury that occurred in that game, they really have nobody else to kind of push the ball down the field with. You didn't see the receivers do anything despite all the different, you know, talk on the offseason, who's going to be, how's going to be good, who's not going to be good. I think they really desperately need OBJ back sooner than later. They did a good job kind of spreading the ball around. The tight ends were definitely heavily involved. Problem with tight ends is they're kind of all cannibalizing each other. So even fantasy wise, while you're excited watching kind of Baker look good, these guys aren't anybody you want to take because they're all basically catching four balls for 40 yards. Um, so I think that makes it really difficult for anybody in this offense other than Nick Chubb and, you know, other than Kareem Hunt as well to kind of target 
Uh, Baker should be on your radars. But I think Kareem Hunt was also a little disappointing. He had an okay game. Um, I was actually happy about that because I played against him versus one of my fantasy <laughs> leagues. But I expected him way more against the defense that we were kind of expecting. It wasn't going to be that great this year. And he didn't really do a whole lot. Um, you know, he got outperformed by the rookie Felton, who actually had two big plays and two catches, a little bit involved in the passing game. He had that screen for a touchdown and looked very explosive out there. So he might actually start, you know, stealing some of Kareem Hunt's third down, quote unquote, or passing situation opportunity. So that was definitely kind of interesting to see that unfold. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. On the Houston side, um, you know, they played well. The problem was Tyrod Taylor got hurt pretty quickly. He was continuing to have another efficient game, which, I mean, I was going to have to give Tyrod credit because he was looking good again. Um, but once he went down, we saw David Mills, who I think we all kind of agree is a bum, and he pretty much showed that he was a bum right off the bat. Um, Brandon Cooks was continuing to be involved. He's kind of probably, probably there be their only offensive playmaker they have. The rest of the receivers didn't do anything. Nico Collins got injured in that game, you know, Big whoop because he was he hasn't done anything this entire season so far. Danny Mandola, who has been their second most productive receiver, also got injured in that game. Um, so you're going to probably see a lot more Conley, who returned last week, and probably him be more involved. And then you know Farrell Brown wasn't out, but he definitely repeated his effort from the Jacksonville game and basically disappeared out there. So I think overall this Houston game, you know, offense other than Brandon Cooks in the passing game is the only person you want to actually look at. And running back wise, continues to be roulette back there. Mark Ingram definitely led the team in carries again, 14 carries for 41 yards, 41 ugly yards. Um, he didn't look explosive. <laughs> he didn't look good to me. Um, Philip Lindsay did score a touchdown, but it was on the uh, screen. He only had like five touches, I believe it was. Um, he's 8.4 points. He's averaging in the standard league right now for the last two weeks, but you can't bank on getting out for like five touches a game. Um, and Dan David Johnson looked the best to me of all the running backs. He ran the best. He looked more athletic out there, but he basically got phased out from even his passing situation last week. So it was kind of interesting to see that running back situation and move forward. There is still more clarity in the backfield of who's the guy, who's not the guy, who's going to be used. So to me, it's still the backfield pretty much avoid it if you can. Yeah, I definitely expect to see David Johnson involved more this week. Yeah. He should be. I mean, he looked the best to me uh, by far. Uh, Philip Lindsay had a nice mm -hmm. run, like I said, and he looked mm -hmm. explosive. David Johnson ran hard. He looked good. Um uh, Ingram, to me, I think that his it's obvious his best days are over. I think maybe mm -hmm. it's just a matter of time until maybe hey, they realize yeah. us getting two yards per carry isn't going to really do it for our offense. And you're right. Yeah. It could be this week because David Mills isn't going to move that offense otherwise. <laughs> I, uh, I guess one other note from me. Uh, I do believe that is uh, a second time they've used uh, Lindsay on the goal line or near the goal line uh, for, for try to get into the end zone, however he 
almost fumbled the first one uh, last week. So, no, that he is getting used there. Uh, so maybe those t- uh, those points aren't to be taken for granted, but with that amount of touches, it's hard to really tell. And I'm with you. If I'm touching anyone uh, in that running back room, it is David Johnson for down the line, but probably nobody as of right now. <laughs> yeah. I'll stay away from that line or stay away from that running back room for sure. Pretty much everyone. Yeah, and I think Cooks. I think other than Cooks, even even though you're going to see some opportunity possibly for Conley to be the next guy stepping up, you just haven't seen the volumes that second receiver this entire season yet. So I don't expect it to improve with a backup quarterback, backup rookie quarterback at that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the one thing I would say about Cooks is to be fair, Davis Mills, whether while he is like completely inaccurate, he's going to throw it up there. So there's going to be a chance for like a good game for Cooks. Like just about every game he goes out there, because even if he catches one and you know Mills throws three interceptions, there's a good chance that he could have you know a 50 yard game and a touchdown. So that's definitely worth a flex. Yeah, and I'll give Tim, I'll give Tim Kelly some credit. Of all the different receivers and how they're kind of moved around and utilized, he definitely gives folks the opportunity to get involved and get open. He's definitely you know obviously their primary target most of the plays that they call him passing. So I do yeah. think he's continued to be successful no matter what. Uh, honestly, I'm bummed that Tyrod got hurt because the offense yeah. that they were using with him was really interesting. Like how they were doing it and moving the pocket and uh, doing all the, like using the pistol a lot and just they were doing a bunch of interesting stuff. So it is a bummer to see him get hurt. And obviously, just the history he's had, um, you know, it sucks to see him go down like that. He kind of saw a poor man's Ravens offense. I mean, I think that's what you mm-hmm. can kind of compare it to with Tyron out there. It definitely was. They were utilizing the pistol kind of like a little more a couple of years ago, utilized and definitely trying to be more of a physical team and give you different looks in the running. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next game I kind of talk dive into at the 1 o'clock games was the Chicago-Cincinnati game. Um, this game was definitely uglier than I kind of expected it to be. Joe Burrow, after all the praise we gave him last week, kind of didn't seem to have the same confidence, didn't throw with the same accuracy, definitely struggled in this game, had three interceptions. The offense was putrid overall. Um, you know, Higgins had a decent game, wanted to have 60 yards and a touchdown, but he could have had a much better game. He played really poorly in that game overall, had a drop in the end zone for another touchdown he could have had, had multiple drops, just had some, a lot of brain parts um, out there. He just really seemed to kind of get lost, but you see the volume is going to be there for him regardless so that's one thing to kind of keep in mind. Uh, Chase scored another touchdown, had another big play. We're kind of excited to see that. Didn't quite have the same amount of volume, but his offense in general didn't have the same volume because they weren't moving the ball consistently. He did see the return of Tyler Boyd as a favorite kind of security blanket. We kind of predicted that week one was going to happen. We didn't see it week one. We did see it week two. Um, and he, he's got that PPR machine out there where he's going to manufacture you know, five or six catches probably for 45 yards. Um, but he definitely beats kind of somebody kind of got more involved. Joe Mixon didn't have a great game. But you continue to be excited about his usage. He's definitely clearly getting the Todd Gurley kind of role where he's utilizing the passing and rushing game. He got a lot of volume. So, you know, he didn't have a great game, but you kind of expect that will kind of balance out as the season progresses because, you know, frankly, the offensive line isn't anything to write home about. And Joe Burrow's not hitting the ball accurately. He's going to struggle because people are just going to gang up and kind of take him away. But I think that you can't expect that Burrow's going to continue to you know, struggle especially when you kind of see these weapons he has, regardless of none of them really having great games, him not having a good game, they still gave Chicago everything that they wanted. Um, I think one of the cool things also to take out of that was you, although Burrow played poorly and he, he didn't seem to be as accurate, he never kind of lost his, his will out there. So I think that's kind of encouraging too. He did battle back in that fourth quarter. 
I do think that just kind of him still kind of getting adjusted to game speed and kind of get used to being out there. But I do think there was a lot of encouraging things for this offense in general. Like I said, despite really playing poorly, really having a lot of pressure given up um, to Chicago, they seem to still kind of you know battle back, which is a sign of a good offense to me. On the Chicago side, we finally got to see Justin Fields. Yay! Sorry, it was Andy Dalton had to get injured to happen. Andy Dalton was actually having a decent game, had thrown a touchdown pass. Um, problem with Justin Fields finally playing was, wasn't that impressive. Um, didn't really change the offense a whole lot. You continue to see that Maggie needs to turn over his play calling. I've been calling for this for all season. Never know where he took it back in the first place. This guy has no creativity. He has no no rhythm. He makes every play clear as day what's going to come. And as a result, David Montgomery continues to be involved in the passing game. You know, get to get his carries, but he wasn't very efficient. And it wasn't David Montgomery wasn't running well. It was first down. Here comes between tackles, David Montgomery, every play. You knew the whole world knew what play was coming. The whole world knew what to prepare for. So I think there's a lot of, you know, fear coming to fruition of what he was going to kind of do this offense and stunt some of the people, including Mr. Allen Robinson, who once again only had two catches, 24 yards, his score touchdown, got another big play. But overall, you just got to be disappointed in the amount of volume this guy's getting. This is one of the best receivers still out there. And he's just not getting involved enough in the offense. And I called about it last year. You know, to me, you, the targets didn't necessarily matter or change a whole lot when Blazer took over, but to how he was utilized changed a lot to me. How both when Blazer took over, he moved around a lot more. He's got an opportunity to do more than a five-yard catch guy. Uh, he's able to get down the field and kind of change the route trees in different ways and use utilize his skill sets. Now he's just basically a glorified slot receiver out there in a lot of ways. I mean, he's playing the outside, but he gets nothing but five-yard throws to him. Um, so it's really discouraging, I think, a lot. He continues to be, kind of be productive. I wouldn't sell Allen Robinson because I still think his brighter days are ahead of him. But you didn't. You were kind of disappointed still at the beginning of the season. And you kind of see how a coach can stunt even a stud player. Uh, Darnell Mooney was the leading receiver for the offense. I, I've still kind of remains to be seen what that will materialize as. He has six catches of 66 yards. The guy's more of a big play guy. So there were a lot of, time, a lot of times a lot of his catches where guys is kind of bailing out and giving him the easy underneath stuff. Um didn't really do anything spectacular, but he's somebody you kind of want to have on your radar for sure. Cole Clement definitely just continues to be the top tight end on Chicago. You just have to worry about how many mouths can his offense actually feed with Maggie coaching because it, it was kind of, like I said, it was kind of putrid out there. You know, Cincinnati's played better defense than a lot of people expected to, but they're still not a good defense. Um, and Justin Fields himself, like I said, yeah, looked like a rookie out there. Uh, six for 13, had an interception, had a fumble. Um, made some throws that he shouldn't have made. Most guys should have got picked a couple more times. He utilized his legs, so that's always exciting, um, especially for fantasy owners. But it was something where I think that, you know, people have been clamoring for this guy, and I, I kind of worry that as long as Nagy's your coach, I don't know if this is really going to help this guy because he wasn't really put in a situation to succeed. You didn't see that you talked about, you know, Tyrod and his offense when they were seeing Houston. You didn't see really an adaptation in Chicago's offense. You didn't see them try to use Fields' athleticism. It was like they didn't realize who they had. He basically scrambled to create his own plays. Um, hopefully that will change moving forward. You know, Delton's supposed to be out for a couple of games possibly. They say he's day-to-day, -day, but I don't think he's going to be day-to-day. -day. Um, I think he'll miss at least a week or two. And once that kind of happens, you know, more than likely this is Tyrod Taylor situation from last year where he's probably not getting his job back. So I do think Justin Fields is a guy that you definitely need to pick up sooner and later in your leagues. And I would definitely you know, keep your eye on that Chicago defense because while we kind of wrote them off into week one, they didn't look very good. They had a lot of turnovers. They got a lot of pressure. 
Um, this team usually plays well at home, and it's particularly against offensive lines that are poor. So I keep that in mind when you have a, you're playing whether you're playing a streamer defense or you want to add a second defense to your team. Chicago is one of those teams nice to have because when they have the right opponent, they show up. Absolutely. Yeah, the Justin Fields thing was interesting because on one hand, he, there were a, a couple of really bad decisions. And you're right, you should have gotten picked off more than once. But on the other hand, one of the, what was it, four targets for Allen Robinson was a catch uh, in the should that he should have made and that he normally does make. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's Najee goofed up by not, uh, you know, giving Justin Fields enough real reps, um, which I, I think could come back to haunt him. I don't know if, you know, that's just Allen Robinson was already having a slump game. Uh, you know, I don't know what that is, but I, I don't foresee it con- continuing. Uh, but just a note, I guess, that it wasn't all bad, but you're right. Uh, it, it's going to be hard for him until uh, until Nagy is no longer the play caller. Yeah. I, I guess another note would be is that uh, Darnell Mooney went completely silent from being – the leading receiver to I don't even think he got targeted when Fields was on the field. So that's kind of a, another thing to think about because, you know, Darnell Mooney's starting to pick up a lot of steam, but if Fields is going to revert to kind of the rookie way of always just finding your first read and going after your elite receiver, then he might end up being somebody that, you know, you might not you know want to keep around too much on your fantasy teams unless, of course, Dalton ends up making his way back. But – yeah. Uh, another note I would like to say is Mixon. Mixon's got a lot of fever behind him, but he finally ran into a good defense, and it didn't look very good. Um, you know, he's got to play both. He's got to play the Browns, the Ravens, and the Steelers three times, so it's going to be – or six times. So it's going to be uh, – you know, I, I think it could be an uphill battle for him having like a – really fantasy relevant season unless he like starts seriously getting like some more, you know, reps as far as like being the pass catcher, you know, he's getting some good amount now, but you know, I think he might end up getting like a primary target in the future and Boyd could also take away from that. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Bengals offense works out is pretty much where I'm getting at. Um, so the other game I talked about the one o'clock game, was a very, very ugly game, borderline rugby game. And that was the 49ers versus the Eagles. Um, this, this was basically a team that, you know, whoever had the ball last was probably going to win. You saw everybody's waiver wire pickup of the week. Elijah Mitchell basically lay a, a, an egg out there. He had 16 carries for 44 yards. Wasn't really involved in the passing game. Um, Eagles' run defense is definitely not, not to be you know, played with. You kind of saw them shut down Atlanta's first question. You know, Atlanta's line's not that good. Well, 49ers have one of the better lines, have one of the better running games and they weren't getting pushed around at all. So this Eagle front four is definitely something to be reckoned with, although Brandon Graham did get injured, so that's going to be, you know, need to keep that in mind because he's a big part of the pass rush. Um, to me, as long as Fletcher Cox is healthy and out there, it seems going to be a pain in the ass to kind of deal with in the running game. Um, offensively, for 49ers, you know, talk about Mitchell. Uh, George Kittle continues to disappoint, especially most fantasy owners. I know I have him on one of my teams, and I'm definitely disappointed what I'm getting out of him. Four catches for 17 yards isn't what I thought I signed up for. Um, I, I have to kind of – watchers are going to start to learn this about me. I'm not a huge Kyle Shanahan fan. I don't give him that he's the offensive genius credit. I think he's a great running coordinator. Uh, I think well, you know, Roman's a great running coordinator for the Ravens. I think he's a genius offensive coordinator as a result of it. 
Um, so for me, Kyle Shanahan, what he really struggles with is putting his playmakers in positions to continue to succeed. If Debo Samuel had a good game, he continues to be the obvious number one. Nobody else in the offense to squat. And I think when you have a George Kittle as your second, especially one of the primary tight ends and one of the more physical dominating tight ends out there, and this guy's having four catches for 17 yards, you have to look in kind of the mirror what's going on. And for me, it was obviously that he's not being utilized down the field very much. Um, most He's continued to ask the block a lot way more than I kind of expected he would be. You know, this guy always kind of struggles scoring touchdowns, which is surprising. I think uh, once again, it goes back to kind of the play calling. Um, and I was really disappointed because I think the Eagles was a great matchup for him to have a good team, and he really disappointed, I think, most fantasy owners this week. Like I said, Adibo Samuel definitely was continues to be effective out there. Clearly the number one receiver. Brandon IU getting out of the doghouse still didn't matter. Um, he was out there for just as many snaps pretty much, played a little bit more than Sheffield this week versus last week. He played less than Sheffield. It didn't matter. He got one target. Um, and, and that's to me, that's kind of a problem when you have a number one pick last year basically being forgotten about in your offense. Um, and I think that that's something that's going to catch up the 49ers sooner than later because the Eagles defense, while it's good, isn't that good, um, especially in the, in the secondary. And I think that was kind of surprising how poorly the receivers did. Jimmy G had an efficient game. He was solid out there. He missed a couple throws. He could have had some bigger plays down the field. Uh, but overall played well. It's not yet, you're still not going to have that Trey Lance coming out there anytime soon yet because Jimmy G continues to perform while he's a starter. I think on the flip side, the Eagles – I was talking about, you know, tell those two different weeks, week one, week two. Eagles looked great week one. Seemed like they knew what they were doing. Seemed to have an identity built around Jalen Hurts. Uh, week two, their identity built around Jalen Hurts. That was the bad part of Jalen Hurts is where he can't throw accurate passes consistently, particularly close accurate passes. He had a huge, nice bound that was Watkins on a 91-yard pass, and somehow the Eagles still didn't score a touchdown on that drive. Um, you see that somehow Sanders – is being utilized, but less and less in the passing game. You're seeing game will kind of get starting to build his team out there more and more and be more involved, particularly in that second half, which kind of surprised me how much he was involved. Um, and Miles Sanders is somebody definitely you want to continue to have on your roster, but you're kind of looking at you know, some of the fears we had Miles Sanders going into the season are starting to manifest themselves a little bit. If you don't get the volume with Jalen Hurts kind of stealing some of his carries, stealing some touching opportunities, a la Cam Newton last year in New England. Um, you're going to see this guy maybe not have the games you, you kind of are hoping to get when you drafted them. On the flip side, Devonta Smith was awesome week one. He only had two, he only had two catches for, on seven targets. Seven targets is encouraging, but they definitely looked like they were the same page like week one with him and Hurts. And he wasn't utilized the same way as he was in week one. He was moved around nearly as much. He wasn't seemed to be kind of focused on – the Eagles got kind of lazy on offense, I felt like, a lot of ways versus week one. They seemed like they were very creative, had a lot of motion, had a lot of misdirection. They kind of seemed to just want to go out there and just, you know, play regular football. And a lot of teams get lazy with that sometimes, play callers. You know, you got to realize what you have and what your system is and what's best for you. And I think that the Eagles definitely need to kind of go back to the drawing board. Um, we didn't see anything from Jalen Rager really doing it. He wasn't productive. So he's still somebody you kind of want to watch, but he wasn't really heavily involved. Dallas Goddard played more than by Ertz by far. Had opportunity almost to save his you know, fantasy day with a touchdown towards the end of the end of the game. But overall, you're kind of with Dallas Goddard to kind of be more involved in this offense as well. So I think overall the Eagles have a lot of different players that you can kind of hope to are going to do well fantasy, but you still kind of have that wait and see. Is Jalen Hurts going to be the guy or is he going to kind of hold back this offense? And the coaching staff, you know, we were given a lot of kudos week one, but week two didn't seem to be on the same kind of you know, effort that's mean out there. So I think there's some, you know, back equals, like I said, are kind of back to drawing for week three. It'd be really interesting to see what they do offensively. That game was ugly. I don't want to talk about it. 
right. So then the last last game I kind of was on was last one o'clock, one other one o'clock games. Um, for Zach Wilson, I'll start off with the Jets versus New England. Zach Wilson came out there. Three was four, four, four passes were interceptions. He got Belichick. Um, we know Bill Belichick loves to play rookie quarterbacks. He's been incredibly successful versus them in his career. He makes them look like they're rookies consistently. He knows how to mix up coverages. He knows how to disguise things. And then towards the end, Zach Wilson, I think, was just trying to play hero ball. Now, Adam talked about last couple of weeks about being worried about Carson Wentz being that, playing that hero ball. Well, Zach Wilson was definitely playing some hero ball on Sunday. He, you could tell he was clearly frustrated. He was clearly trying to make something happen. And I honestly can't blame him because that offense really looked no different than it did week one in a lot of ways. Very predictable. There was no motion. Um, we saw Michael Carter have a decent game, be more involved a little bit more. But Tevin Coleman continues to have that three rotation back. Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson are still out there. Johnson had the best statistics combined between receiving and rushing. Carter looked clearly the best, most athletic out there. But I don't have much to take that into consideration because basically they were just were down two scores when the running game kind of materialized. <laughs> um, and Corey Davis, as much as we were excited about him week one, you know, when he plays one of the better corners, he's going to knock – he's still – while he's a good receiver, he's not an elite receiver. So you're going to see when they have good corner matchups for him, He's while he's Zach Wilson's clearly his favorite target, he's not going to be able to be as effective when he plays a lesser corner. Elijah Moore definitely had a decent bounce back game. He was the most targeted receiver in the passing game. I'm still kind of disappointed to see that he's still just playing around with playing on the outside. Um, they, they have this obsession with playing Braxton Berrios out there in the slot. And Berrios was the leading, uh, second leading uh, targeted guy, had the most, most catches for yards out there. And I just don't, it just dumbfounds me because I think Elijah Moore is a guy that can create so many mismatches. He reminds me so much of a Daniel Brown. And he's a guy that you want to kind of line up all over the you know, formation versus clearly putting him on the outside where he's still kind of growing into his body, so get used to get off jams. So there's some situations where I had some excitement because I saw him be more targeted. There's also some concerns because offense doesn't really seem to understand what they're working with. Um, tight ends and nothing. Tyler Croft, you know, decent game week one, went out the window week two. So that's not something you're going to keep fantasy-wise you really care about. Elijah Moore is still a guy I think you should, you know, be picking up in your leagues or at least have his uh, Corey Davis is in some issues necessarily run out and drop. Zach Wilson has better days ahead of him. He's not going to play New England every week. But overall, I think this Jets offense is going to be kind of more of the scary football where we thought we were really excited to see this offense. This offense isn't, hasn't been, but it should be. And while I'm on the Jets real quick, maybe just please trade, Den- trade Denzel Wims. If you're going to make him inactive, he's one of the best athletic receivers you have. Scare rid of him. Go send him to a team that can use him because this is ridiculous, this guy being undressed when you have like Keen Cole out there and you have a bunch of bums. Braxton Berrios, like I said. <laughs> Sorry, that's just my my two cents. I, I love Denzel Mim, and I'm just like, this guy had one catch of 40 yards last week, and now he gets, you know, now you can't even play the next game because you don't play special teams. Just, just trade him. Send, send him to Green Bay. Let's see how good he could be. How'd you, how'd you get so lucky to get two, uh, two Shanahan systems? <laughs> yeah, right. I know, lucky me. <laughs> that you love so much. <laughs> he scripted lucky it for me. himself. <laughs> well, it's a shame because I, I like what this system could be. I mean, this is a Gary Kubiak system. This is called, this is Mike Shanahan's system, if you can keep going back farther and farther. Yeah. And it can feature two receivers, and it can feature a tight end, and it usually features a running back who can play multiple ways, but utilizing the passing game and the rushing game. It just seems to be more more specialist under these new Shanahan you know, tree, where guys are more specialized. Now we're all big into rotating three or four running backs and three or four receivers, and having guys out there versus what clearly was talented guys 
you're having guys is because you might like them for some reason more. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Or for as Kasha enhances, they practice better. <laughs> um, <laughs> on the Patriots side, uh, you know, the demise of, of Harris was definitely overblown. He continues to be the bell cow back in, the, in New England. J.J. Taylor was effective. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, he was active, not effective. He was active. Um, didn't really change anything. I think it makes you clearly understand it's, this is a James White Harris show. James White continues to be uh, a safety blanket for Matt Jones. Yeah, PPR <laughs> God. He's back, he's back to that. He's back to like it's Brady throwing to him again. So yeah, I mean Matt Jones has definitely loved looking for him. Josh McDaniels definitely had the most vanilla offense I've seen in a long time out of the Patriots. Um, probably even more vanilla than the Cam's. At least they motioned and had some kind of like RPO action, but they did basically clearly understood that. We're going to be the Jets because we can't. We don't have to really show in any of our cards, which was disappointing for fantasy owners because you know, you know, a, a great matchup in the receiving place. Looking at Aguilar's matchup, you're like, all right, didn't really do anything. Myers had a decent game PPR wise; he was pretty effective. But standard leagues and half point PPRs did nothing really for you. And the biggest disappointment was the tight ends. Um, both were actually active. Junior Smith did play. Wasn't got four catches, 28 yards. Hunter Henry three catches. It was like 30 yards. Um, you're expecting bigger numbers, especially with the money they paid these guys. Like I said, I wouldn't necessarily sell on them because I do think a lot of it was just the offense in general. Well, Josh McDaniels realized he could just kind of be move the ball. They could easily win this game. They don't have to show anything. Um, but it was disappointing, like I said, for fantasy owners. So keep that in mind when you have a salty matchup, a super you know, exciting matchup for the Patriots. It might not be what you think it's going to be because Josh McDaniels was go vanilla on you. Yeah, I think that's what made me like – mad the most because you know i recommended starting mac jones and then when i thought about it i was just like if this is going to be a run over game this is just going to be running backs all the time and that's what it ended up being i was here i was thinking like oh maybe like zach wilson will be the the guy who shows up belichick but no <laughs> no nope. <laughs> the street continues high hopes <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you getting the early slate, it, it's tough. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Some tough games in there. Um, so yeah, so I have the next uh, little group of games, so the rest of the early games, and then uh, Tampa Bay versus Atlanta, uh, starting out with the Colts and Rams. All right, so I'm going to first list off the um, Colts players on offense who I think had a positive game. Uh, they are Carson Wentz. Um, Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman, 
I will give Quentin Nelson like a C plus, and Eric Fisher, given the circumstance, also a C plus. That's the list. Ryan Kelly, who great center most of the time, he sucked. He did not look good at all. Davenport, I'll give him a smidge of credit, and that granted he was playing on the left side last week and had to kick to the right this week, sucked. Uh, Glowinski, not great. Uh, the rest of the receivers, not great. Jonathan Taylor, I think, was playing well um, early in the game until they realized that they couldn't get anything going down the field and <laughs> thus uh, could, could really key in on him a little bit more. Uh, it was really bad. Reich's play calling uh, so far this season has been awful, the especially in the red zone. And uh, the last thing I want to say on the Colts – end of this, uh, and I, I want to hear your guys' take here. Uh, the shovel pass to me is the only negative, the at least only large negative that I would give Wentz, but I almost would consider that more of a Reich problem, knowing that you have massive amounts of interior pressure. To call a shovel pass in the goal line feels like a bad call to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, never, I'm, not a, I'm never a big shovel pass guy when you're like <laughs> only yards away, because it's like that's where they're sending the most pressure. They have the biggest guys, and they're going to stretch out that line to where you're going to have, you know, more than five down linemen. And you, like you said, like why would you put the why would you put a guy at risk and put him in the most dense spot right there for linemen? And you say, all right, go score a touchdown. Yeah, uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that at all. Yeah. yeah. The, the red zone play calling as a whole was just – it was goofy. I, I don't know what else to say. Um, so Wentz obviously got hurt there at the end of the game. Um, uh, it's hard to say what that timeline is going to look like. I would say I'm not optimistic about him being in the next game, but we'll see. Um, as far as Easton's concerned, the only startable Colt in fantasy if Easton is playing is Jonathan Taylor. He's the only one. Um, if you are desperate, play Naheem Hines – Otherwise, just pass. Just punt on that team. Um, he did not look good through one pass – or, sorry, first pass, interception, uh, second pass – if I remember correctly, second pass incomplete, then third pass was for somewhere between five and eight yards, just trying to uh, throw it back and forth laterally, get down the field that way because they were clearly weren't getting through there through the air naturally. Um, on the Rams side, I, the offense as a whole looked – Good, at least in the first half. Again, a tale of two halves for the Colts defense. Um, I know a lot of people on the interwebs are having some buyer's remorse on Robert Woods. This is kind of the other thing I wanted to see what you guys had to say about um, because Cooper Cup is obviously playing really great, although it's interesting to me that um, kind of the slot underneath guy has been had a really good game now two games in a row against the Colts defense. Of course, Kenny Moore is a really good nickel corner, but uh, it's his own defense. He's not always shadowing that um, that guy anyways. Um, so are, are you guys worried about Robert Woods? I really don't think I am, but it is, I guess, a, a slightly concerning uh, what just happened over the first two weeks. I know I'm not. I mean, so I've had this discussion a lot this offseason. I, I thought Cooper Cup was going to be the favorite receiver. I thought that, that he clearly would have matched up with Stafford a little bit better. People argued with Robert Woods. Regardless of who coming out, I think Cooper Cup's going to continue to be successful and, and probably one of the prime receivers to own. 
Robert Woods is going to still be good. It's not like he's not being involved. It's not like he's not being targeted. He's not He's not as heavily having the big yardage you're kind of hoping for in a sense. But he's still scoring a touchdown. He's still involved in the red zone. And he's still you know, one of the guys who's going to get five to seven targets every game. I think with Matthew Stafford, their quarterback, and this offense in general, particularly look at the division, some of the matchups coming up for them versus like in Arizona versus the 49ers versus Seattle, who all secondaries aren't very good. I think Robert Woods definitely the best days are ahead of him. I wouldn't be disappointed too much Robert Woods. I wouldn't reach too much because he's not like he's being he's not he's not having two catches out there. So if that was the case, I'd be much more petrified. But right now, I think it's just Cooper Cups is looking so good. It kind of makes you forget that Robert Woods isn't clearly isn't being as involved as you kind of hoped he would be. Right. Yeah, I feel like Robert Woods. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be worried about PPR Robert Woods, but if it was standard Robert Woods, I'd probably be a little bit more worried, just because he's not he's not getting near what cup gets right now and he's never been like an explosive wide receiver as far as like being able he's always been like the short he could be like a good a really really good slot receiver but at the end of the day when he gets the ball in his hands he's not making much happen afterwards so that's kind of always what worried me about it and i'm also not seeing too much of what they did with Goff, which is i guess the reason they got stafford which is running him you know what I mean? Like a lot of end arounds. They used to make it a thing where it'd be like three or four of those end arounds, like almost a day or almost a game with Robert Woods. They would always get him on the rushing stat sheet. And it doesn't seem like they've been doing that early on. So that's yeah. also my only worry with him is because, you know, that, that gets you extra points. And, you know, that could be the thing that he's kind of lacking right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the only other thing to really note, uh, I guess, is Higby. Uh, not uh, a crazy day for him. However, he's still at 100% um, of, of his snap count, so he, he's the guy out there. Uh, so I'm certainly not concerned about him. Uh, I, I expected a bigger day out of him against the Colts defense. Uh, typically, that's a good matchup for tight ends, but I, I, I'm not concerned. Um, Cooper Cup just kind of overshadowed him. There's a lot of mouths to feed on that offense. Um, next game uh, I had was Miami-Buffalo. Uh this game is another hard one to really make much of a call on uh, just because uh, the offensive line completely failed to uh, he got, he played what two series. I think he was injured at the end of the second series that he played uh, three max, but I'm pretty sure it was two. Um, and he got hit. I think the play that he got hurt on, I'm almost positive was the fourth time his fourth QB hit in three series. He had four passing attempts, uh, was sacked twice, I believe. Um, so six dropbacks, four passing attempts because of the two sacks. The Miami offensive line was absolutely atrocious. Uh, and this is another one where, where, like the Colts, I think that if you start anyone on that offense, if it's not if Tua's not out there, I think you can really only play Waddle, and that's even only if Will Fuller's not out there. Otherwise, it's – Jacoby Brissett is not aggressive enough to really get anyone else going. He had under 200 yards with 40 passing attempts. I Again, that offensive line was a, a mess uh, against this revamped uh, Buffalo Bills pass rush, but it's just uh, there's just not much you can do with, I think, those Dolphins guys for fantasy uh, until Tua returns. And even then, I, it's going to be hard to play them against good pass rushes. How do you feel about Gaskin? Uh, I think if you, you – are playing games where they're in a um, where they're 
up or at least competitive, then yeah. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how many of those are going to have with that offensive line paired with Jacoby Brissett is, is my worry. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, once Tua's back, then he's back to where he was, uh, back to being a flex. It's not a him problem. He actually looked good while Tua was still in there. Um, but just because there's already other mouths to feed, uh, Salvin Ahmed, he was the one that led in carries actually, uh, with six, by the way, yeah. they had like 20 rushing attempts as a team, but it was five for Gaskin, five for Brown, uh, six four. for Ahmed and like four for, uh, reset. Uh, so yeah, it was just, it's hard for me to really want to play one of those running backs unless I'm desperate. Gaskin is the guy. But it's still hard for me to want to do it, at least until two is back. And I, there's any confidence in my mind that they'll be in games. Um, yeah. As far as the Buffalo side of the, of things, uh, Josh Allen, I think, is better than his stat line uh, showed. Uh, and early on, he was firing really well. There was a couple high balls here and there, but accuracy's never been his strength. Um, arm's still great. He's still great getting out of the pocket. He's still big. He's still strong. Everything's fine. I think, uh, you know, I saw some people overreacting and thinking that we were back to 2019 Josh Allen. I did not think that was the case. Um, the, I mean, there were some misfires, but also there were some really great plays. The deep 35-yarder to Emmanuel Sanders, for instance, was a very good pass. Uh, I could not get much better. Uh, both of offensive lines had their struggles. Um, I guess my other only other real note there, because of course you play Stephon Diggs, and if you're desperate enough to play one of the other Bills receivers, then I'm very sorry. Um, but Singletary actually looked really good for a second straight week. Um, I, I, with more touches, he could be fantastic. But it's hard for me to be, uh, you know, play him as more than a flex, just because. I mean, even in a game where they were up 35 to nothing, he got 13 carries. Yeah. You saw Zach Moss on active too, get those two touchdowns mm-hmm. and utilized by inside the 10. So, absolutely. Yeah. I just want to comment on the Josh Allen thing real quick. Um, I mean, I know what you kind of saw, but just numbers wise, this guy's only completing 33.3% of his passes. For 10, between 10 to 25 yards. So anything over 10 yards, he's only complete 33% of his passes right now for week two, which I think is a very concerning number in some senses because that is kind of the old Josh Allen. Um, and then on top of that, he's only averaging 5.3 yards per attempt, which that's Ben Roethlisberger-like. So that's right. one thing I do I have noticed so far, the Buffalo big play has not been there yet. And that mm-hmm. is something I would be a little bit concerned because if you took Josh Allen as the highest amount of people did, you're expecting a little bit more numbers because you're expecting to push the ball down. I feel a lot more. That's yeah. not really happened yet. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think he'll, he'll get out of it. Uh, I admittedly was a detractor of him early on, but I, I didn't see – it didn't look on film to me as if uh, this was 2019. Um, certainly wasn't as good as 2020. I'm not going to ask as if that's the case, but um, I, I think this is more of a fixable thing. Uh, than uh, than what I thought he was coming out of college. Um, as far as the New Orleans Carolina game is concerned, that was another game that was just not the fun to watch. Uh, I was completely wrong here. Definitely had New Orleans to win this one. Um, yeah, tough game all around for them, but it's hard for me to punish them too bad for a, really any, especially anyone in particular. 
and a lot of people were coming down really hard on Jameis. Um, an offensive line that is normally very, very good uh, really struggled against the Panthers. Um, they were missing six offensive guys, I believe. Ian Book was the one in charge of substitutions. Uh, like, if they've been practicing all over the place, uh, I mean, they're in kind of an impossible situation here. Uh, on defense and just really on the team in general, they're missing a ton of their leaders from playing, which can just, you know, not, not having that guy to hype you back up when you're down in your luck, uh, when you're, you know, when you need to get momentum back. Carolina went out, they scored the first touchdown because uh, New Orleans is missing like seven guys on defense. And that, that felt like pretty much it. You know, Jameis looked, I think he looked good for the first three or so drives, but his offensive line was really struggling. Um, and, and I think he got his patience wore thin, uh, just hitting the check downs because he didn't have time to really do what he likes to do. And it got to him. I don't foresee that being a continuous problem, uh, but it could be. I, I think it's pending a lot. You know, can they get guys healthy? Can they move back to New Orleans uh, when, you know, I don't know. It's a t- tough one for me to really knock the, the New Orleans guys too hard for, uh, but I, I don't think you can completely disregard it, I guess is what I would say. Uh, as far as the Carolina side, Carolina side of things, um I'll admit it. Donald looked all right. I was, I guess where I'm at with him at this point is I'll admit that he is at least Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I, I think he's gotten to that point. I, I'm no longer going to claim that he was a downgrade. However, I've really yet to see anything that makes me think he was an upgrade. Uh, I think he's about the same uh, so far. Uh, still, uh, with, with the, a few exceptions, there are definitely exceptions, as there were exceptions with Bridgewater. Uh, still relatively conservative. Um, some misses that you definitely need to be making, but also some really good passes. Um, Robbie Anderson, I think, got a little bit, a couple more targets than last week, but he still seems to be the odd man out. Um, the Christian McCaffrey, I, I feel like it's a waste of our time for me to really even discuss him that much just because unless he's hurt, he is what it is, and it just seemed that that was a cramp, so... I think he's fine. Yeah, this is an offense I definitely want to see versus a defense that I know is pretty good. Because mm-hmm. I don't know what that Saints defense is. I mean, we all kind of went off what we saw Green Bay week one. But as we kind of realized, Green Bay wasn't as good maybe offensively as we kind of expected because they Detroit, you know, we're going to that game a little bit, hung around with them in the first half. Offense isn't explosive as you kind of expected it to be. And I think overall the Saints defense, the ball, you know, starters are missing – might play way over their head versus that Packers team, and who seems kind of susceptible off the line, well as wise as well. So, I was very, you know, I think most of us kind of drank the Kool Aid week one, thought New Orleans is going to be this team, no, you know, they're going to compete, and they definitely disappointed it to me. One thing yeah. I also have to point out is Alvin Kamara can't get eight, eight carries. That was, and Trump mm-hmm. didn't get, I thought got really lazy this game personally, or I thought he didn't yeah. utilize weapons or help any teams be successful. Yeah, which is the problem though, because he was. Spent half his week coaching the defense this week just because so many people were out. So, like like I said, it's just kind of hard for me to be too harsh on any of them. Uh, you're missing three of your best guys in the secondary. Gardner Johnson wasn't there. Other best corner wasn't there. A uh, couple of key defensive linemen weren't there. Obviously, defensive coaches, offensive. It's just it was a mess. Um, 
yeah. <laughs> All around, just not a good game from the Warlands. I think that's just one you as a as that they need to forget about and move on, act as if it never happened. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Denver, Jacksonville, um, tough, tough game for Lawrence. Um, I, I guess my my notes there uh, again d- didn't look great, but I'll, I'll give them the credit where it's due. I, this secondary in Denver is stellar; like they're awesome. They're super cool to watch. Uh, really, the defense as a whole is fantastic. Uh, so that's just a really tough matchup in your second pro game. It's not quite the the Bill Belichick experience, but it's about as close as you can get outside of New England. Um, and, and as far as he's concerned, uh, I, I know. I just wanted to point this out because, you know, some people will misread stats uh, into meaning certain things. Uh, I I know his completion percentage is what it is. That wasn't an accuracy problem. That was a a inability to read the field uh, when there were any adjustments um, on the defense after the snap. If, if they, if they uh, hid coverages, he was lost. It, that was the problem. He is an accurate quarterback. So I, I just want that to be clear that there is a problem. I'm not covering for his problem. It's just I know some people will see a, a bad completion percentage and be like, oh, he's not an accurate quarterback. And that's just not the case here. Um, another big thing that I saw on Twitter, because this was an incredibly popular name on Twitter through the entire fantasy offseason or entire offseason, really. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, a lot of people are freaking out because of, of his uh, seven targets uh, garnering negative yards. I think if you were big on him coming in, I never was. Um, but I think if you're big on him coming in, you can't get rid of him now. Uh, dropping him now, if you were hype on him all offseason, just seems incredibly silly to me because he got seven targets anyways. Uh, and you know that he's going to get seven targets because, Chris, I know you this, know this. Justin, I know you know this. If you've ever watched an Ohio State quarterback that has come out of the draft, which Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields, both recent first-round picks, you know how much that the LaVisca Chenault role is going to persist throughout the entirety of this season. Like that role of just being someone that gets way too many touches behind the line of scrimmage that's not a running back or sometimes is a running back, but regardless, there are times during Dwayne Haskins' career that I – not to get off too off topic, but I remember noting this when he was coming out that he would go entire drives without throwing past the line of scrimmage. And I, that has clearly carried over to the NFL for urban Meyer system. And LaVisca Chenault is kind of, uh, you know, having some issues with that. That being said, uh, I I think this is more of a product of the defense and the fact that he only got two catches. Uh, I, I think he'll be, closer to what he was week one most weeks and that he'll get seven recep or seven targets four or five receptions like 40 50 yards um which not saying that that's fantastic or anything by any stretch of the imagination um but on a good week i think he'll still be a, a flexible ppr guy and standard don't if you have somehow ended up with him during the offseason then drop him now because standard he's not worth it uh ppr i think that this is a salvageable season for him though um, my other big note here is that Bridgewater, I think looked good and Sutton to me, 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Uh, at worst, he is a mid-tier wide receiver too until Judy returns. Right? It, am I crazy for saying that? that that's just high, worst. high receiver too. Yeah, like no, I floor yeah. high-end wide receiver yeah, too yeah. until Judy until Judy is is back. Oh my uh, god! Because really, nobody else impressed me in that receiver group, and Bridgewater looked good. So the targets have to go somewhere. It's going to be to him and the tight ends. Um, okay. Yeah, so that's uh, most of what I have on this game. That again, that Denver defense is awesome. So I guess as far as you know, defenses are concerned, I imagine they got drafted in most leagues. But if you somehow see them, go get them. Uh, of course. Uh, finally, the kind of fun game that I got because you get to see a, a, just a really fun offense, at least on one side of things, uh, was the Tampa Atlanta game. Um, Ronald Jones usage should be incredibly scary to anyone who owns him. Uh, we we or rosters him. Uh, I I think um, we had a similar conversation with about James Robinson last week, where it's like, all right, if you see this, then you've got to be really really worried. Uh, I'm more so worried about him than I would be a James Robinson because James Robinson had at least kind of a bounce back week last week. Uh, Ronald Jones uh, played well on the field. Um, that wasn't the problem. It's that Leonard Fournette also played well, and Leonard Fournette continued to be the guy. Um, and this has, you know, happened all throughout the playoffs, and has now continued. Uh, I, I'm still hesitant to trust a Tampa Bay running back. However, I know that I don't trust Ronald Jones. I don't know if I trust Leonard Fournette yet, but I know I don't trust Ronald Jones. Yeah. Um, he's someone that will be staying on the bench until further notice. Um, if you own him. Uh, and honestly, another week or two like like how it's been, and I think he'll be droppable and redraft. Um, Pitt's targets are promising on the Atlanta side, but that's really all the positives I have to say about that Atlanta offense. They tried to get Calvin Ridley a little bit more involved, but I, with how atrocious that Atlanta defensive line – or offensive line, excuse me, with how atrocious that Atlanta offensive line looked – I, I mean, unless they're playing a complete, like a bad defensive line, I don't know if Matt Ryan's going to be able to go more than 10, 15 yards down the field with any consistent basis. Uh, it's just not, he never had time to. Uh, and I don't know how convinced I am that he would be able to anyways, but I don't know that he's been given an opportunity to. Uh, Mike Davis looked honestly pretty good. Um, you know, people are l- piping up uh, Cordero Patterson. 
um, which I, I think warrants it to some respects. That he, at least PPR-wise, he's going to get his touches because that's all they really can do. Um, but Mike Davis still got more targets, so I don't know. Kind of, I don't know. It's a weird, weird situation there. Um, back to the Tampa Bay side really quick, though. Um, it's going to be definitely difficult with three of the. It was already difficult to predict which receiver was going to be a, a good play uh, for the week last year uh, when it was just two of them. Now adding Antonio Brown to the mix, they the guys that go deep and Godwin and uh, Evans and the tight ends. The guys that go deep were open, so he never had to go down to to Antonio Brown. You know, shorter. Um, and Antonio Brown was only on the field half the time. I think this is, was a game where. They got ahead pretty early, and then after that, they were in two wide receiver for most of the rest of it. Uh, so I wouldn't be incredibly concerned if you're an Antonio Brown owner or a, a manager, but uh, if they're playing a game that could get out of hand pretty quick, then I'd maybe consider not starting him if you have another option. He almost saved his day with that touchdown, uh, yes. touchdown opportunity, too. I mean, there was yeah, a hell of close. a close. Or knocked the ball the way. Mm-hmm. But I think that could have you know, about you know, He wasn't necessarily as targeted as much. But I think we saw that with McEvans week one. So this is going mm-hmm. to be a rotating thing. One yeah. thing I think is good to consider and keep, keep in mind for fantasy owners, usually Tom Brady and Bruce Arians do a really good job of whoever got forgotten about the week before will be utilized the week next week. We saw Mike Evans get early targets. We saw him get you know, very much more involved in the offense. I bet you that's Antonio Brown next week, just saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess what I should also note, Gronkowski, second week in a row, still the clear tight end one. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, but he is still the clear tight end one on Tampa Bay. Um, and if he's going to get used in the red zone like that, I think you have to treat him as a back-end tight end one just because of that potential. He might have a dud week if he doesn't get in the end zone. Um, but with just with how the tight end situation is around the league, I, I think you have to play him at least a good bit of the time. Yeah, I mean, I think he becomes a, a playable guy almost every single week because there's always going to be a chance that he's going to score a touchdown. And yeah. that's better than most tight ends right now, you know, unless you got like Hawkinson, Kelsey, or Waller, you know, that's pretty much as good as you could ask for in a week. So mm-hmm. I definitely think he becomes a playable guy every week. But um, it's hard to argue against a guy who's probably not just top tight end statistically, but one of the top receivers statistically right now. So, I mean, he, yeah. his guys are dominating. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Four touchdowns in two weeks. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Justin, you have the, the late slate here, uh, yeah. starting with Dallas and um, the Chargers. So, obviously, the late slate was where it was at. Um, the best games, just statistically, and most entertaining. Get the dud out of the way. The dud was the Chargers and Cowboys. We all thought it was going to be the most explosive game probably because you got Herbert and Prescott. Um, Prescott and that offense kind of looked like it was shifting more towards the running game. Um, Pollard and Zeke kind of had like almost like an even split as far as carries. Zeke took it a little bit more, but Pollard had more yards. Both got a touchdown. Pollard looked a lot. I mean, obviously, because Zeke's had injuries in the past, but he looked like he had a lot fresher legs than Zeke. 
He was getting out there on check downs. He was making it all happen. Zeke wasn't bad. I know a lot of people are kind of being like, when do I hit the panic button on Zeke? He still averaged four yards a carry. I don't think there's really a time to hit the panic button right now. Um, you know, he got saved by that touchdown, and then he got saved by that 14 extra yards that he caught on that lateral. Um, as far as the receivers go, Lamb was a great short option for Prescott. He got nine targets, eight receptions, 81 yards. Um, Cooper was, he was kind of silent most of the game. Um, they covered him very well. And, the the two, he got targeted five times, but you know, sometimes he's a little off. I mean, Prescott missed him high and low on his two, um, incompletions. And then, um, he ended up getting injured on his last, uh, catch of the game. So I haven't actually read the injury report on that yet. I think it was a rib injury, but I don't know if he's day-to-day or not. Um, Then Jarwin. Jarwin and Schultz kind of played the same roles again. They kind of – it was Schultz, I think, had two. Jarwin had three, and Jarwin had a big 20-yard catch, but that was pretty much the sum up of that. It was a really weak day for the Cowboys. If you weren't like a – if you didn't own Zeke or Pollard, and a lot of people are going to go to the waiver wire and try and get Pollard now if they didn't already have him. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt that that's a, that's a pretty good idea to go get. Like, a lot of people are talking about it's too early for handcuffs. You know, if you have somebody taking a good amount of carries, it's probably a good time to go get them. Um, on the flip side, Herbert, Herbert looked like Herbert, man. He was, he was flinging the ball over the place. Mike Williams is a big benefactor of that. Um, Jesus Christ, Mike Williams had 10 targets. He out-targeted Keenan Allen. Yeah. So that that's something to watch. Um, another thing to watch is Keenan Allen isn't just a possession receiver anymore. He's not hanging out in the slot as much. He was catching a lot of like deeper passes in this game. He caught a thirty yarder. He caught a twenty yarder. Um, you know, he only had four receptions, but he ended up with the most yardage at one hundred and eight. Um, then you got. Uh, I think the most important key was Austin Eckler. They created the balance, right? Austin Eckler last week, everybody was like, oh, what's going on? X not getting any passes thrown his way. Well, guess what, guys? Nine targets this week. Nine targets, nine receptions, 61 yards. He was They were firing to him a lot. They caught they – they gave him a 20-yarder uh, downfield. You know, he wasn't just catching check down, but he was catching a lot out of the backfield. Um, and he was still running the ball very efficiently. He had six yards per carry. You know, nine carries, 54 yards. He was hitting the outside great. You know, he wasn't having that big of a trouble going in the inside. I think the addition of Rayshon Slater has been absolutely amazing for that line. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what I got for the, the Chargers-Cowboys games. You guys got anything? Um, no, nothing huge. Okay. Um, so, let's see. Let's go with uh, the Cardinals and the Vikings next game. Um, yeah, Kirk Cousins had a Kirk Cousins game. You know, he just – he constantly is that guy who is going to be, you know, borderline top 10 but always going to be top 15. Sometimes he breaks into the top five of quarterbacks. But he's just consistency, right? He puts out three touchdowns, almost 250 in the yards, and, you know, he spread it out. He spread out the wealth. He started off with a 60-yarder to K.J. Osborne. 
KJ Osborne was an, a big contributor in this game. He ended up with uh, six targets, five receptions, 91 yards. Obviously, 60 of it came off of that one catch, but you know he was he was consistently in this game, right? Which is something a lot of people were wondering: was this just a week one fluke? I don't think it's a week one fluke. I think they found their third receiver there. I think you know uh, instead of Tyler Conklin, it's going to be KJ Osborne. You know, that's going to be playing that like short intermediate role that Irv Smith was going to be playing. Um, Justin Jefferson had 10 targets, six receptions, 65 yards, did his gritty on a touchdown. Um, Thielen was kind of like the odd man out as far as getting targeted. He only got seven, six receptions for 39 yards, which is not really the odd man out, but I say it was the odd man out as far as like getting co- consistently good targets. He wasn't targeted so far downfield. Uh, he got a touchdown as well. Uh, Conklin got two for 15. Uh, Kyler on the other side was looking like Russell Wilson of last year. Like he was just lobbing the ball everywhere. Like you guys saw that uh, Rondell Moore touchdown, like Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Like how how broken was that coverage? Oh, I did, have, <laughs> I did have one note on that last game uh, that relates to this. Both Kyler and Herbert are playing at out of this world's levels, but also on the few times where they do screw up and they do throw picks, they are incredibly ugly. Oh yeah. <laughs> but when they're they're on, they're both playing at a very high level. Yeah. No, that that's a great note. And that's kind of like where I'm going with the Russell Wilson thing of last year. Cause Russ would have games where he'd be playing out of his mind and then he'd have two picks that you were like, What are you doing? Like, absolutely. Like, like, how could you be throwing the ball everywhere and it's hitting everyone? And then you just throw this absolutely egregious pass. And that was, if you guys saw the second one, I think it was the second one to Xavier Woods. It was just like, where was the receiver you were going for? Like, he threw it completely over his head and you just, there you go, Xavier Woods, interception. But, um, yeah, he got everybody involved in this. Um, Max Williams, he got him involved seven for seven. Um, Kirk got four catches. You know, I, I, I like what I'm seeing with this team. Um, Nuke Hopkins got his four catches. He got 50 yards. You know, A.J. Green somehow caught a touchdown on a screen pass. But um, – and that saved his day. I'm still not a big A.J. Green fan. He got six targets and three receptions. This guy has now 12 targets and five receptions, and you're holding on the bench right here, Rondale Moore and Christian Kirk. Got to get that guy out of there. Um, but, yeah, it was another day for Edmonds, too. You know, Edmonds took more control over the um, – sorry, the offense as far as, like, getting more carries, getting more involved. He got eight carries on the day, 46 yards. And then you look at um, his passing or his receiving, he got five targets for five receptions. Um, yeah, it was just a – I thought it was – overall, it was just a very fun game. And then at the end, we got the the field goal that got missed by Gary, Gary Joseph. And then let's see. Notes on oh, – there you are. Tennessee, baby. Who's no, that, that was a tale of two week? <laughs> Man. So, guys, did you get Derrick Henry? 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Or did you Derrick Henry somebody? So, both. <laughs> oh, the side tells it all. Yeah, I feel you, buddy. I was on the receiving end, too. <laughs> uh, 182 yards, most of it coming in the second half. Dude is an absolute monster. You look at his first touchdown, it's pretty incredible. Uh, you guys watch Family Guy? Yeah. Yeah. So, if you ever watched that episode where they're playing an old Sega version of the football game and Peter's playing as Bo Jackson and he's just dancing all around the field. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty much what I saw with Derrick Henry. Like it was just unstoppable. You you can't take this man down. And for some reason, he ran into a completely stuffed play, took the back end and went for a 10 yard touchdown. And I was like, okay, so you're untouchable. And then, and then this man breaks away for his first 60 yard touchdown of the year. Like, whew. so yeah. And this offense finally got back to the play action. I mean, I would say the second half was best for everybody. Tannehill finally stopped trying to be a show off and start to use like all of his weapons and started to like fall into the offense that got him to where he was. And that's the threat of Derrick Henry opening up the rest of the field, which led to an amazing day from Julio Jones, six catches, 128 yards, a touchdown that was called back because get this guys, the ruling on the field is, is if your toe lands in and your foot and your base, of your foot lands in too, or the heel of your foot lands in, they both have to land in bounds. So <laughs> I didn't know that was a rule <laughs> until that play happened. But um, either way, he had a great day. Um, A.J. Brown, he looked, you know, I mean, he looked like kind of how I thought he was going to be in this offense, not like the efficient Julio Jones safety net. Like he was just going to be there for the big plays. And that's what he was. He was um, eight of, or he was targeted eight times, caught four. Um, and then he was, uh, let's see, who else? Oh, that's right. How could I forget this? On Derrick Henry. Did you guys know Derrick Henry could catch the ball? Yeah. 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 Targeted. <laughs> targeted. <laughs> so I think one of the biggest things was on the tw- on Twitter. They had tons of videos saying Derrick Henry's going to be catching the ball this year, and nobody believed it. Guess what? Six for six. 55 yards. Yeah. Yeah, that happened. Um, but, yeah, on the flip side, I would say Russell had a great day. four hundred or 343 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he was finding Lockett and broken coverage all day long. Lockett was doing a phenomenal job. He's a smooth route runner. He was getting open everywhere. Um, Lockett had 178 yards, touchdown. Uh, Freddie Swain caught a 60-yard touchdown. Metcalf looked like he was covered well all day long. (laughs) 
he also doesn't really look like I don't know, you know, Metcalf's a burner, but it doesn't look like they're using him in that position like this year. Like for some reason they're, you know, completely unacknowledging the fact that this guy is like six foot three, six foot four, and he can run faster than everybody on the field. You know, he's pretty much running faster than Olympic sprinters, right? And then, yeah. So um, another name, Chris Carson, he got back to it. Two touchdowns, 31 yards, you know, efficient in the red zone, Chris Carson. Um, then we get to the Sunday night game. Sunday night game, Lamar Jackson turning it on, getting his first win against the Chiefs. Um, it was kind of ugly, though. Because he was pick, he was throwing picks. He had to do a lot with his legs. Got 106 yards rushing, only 239 yards through the air. Marquise Brown, though I like Marquise Brown this year. He is putting up some good numbers this year. Um, Ten targets, six receptions, 113 and a touchdown. They're finally using him as a multifaceted route runner, which is kind of how you should use him anyways. I mean, they should use him like a Tyreek Hill, right? Get him open, get him the ball, and let him work. Um, but, yeah, there was that. Mark Andrews had mildly efficient game, um, five catches, 56 yards, not what you would have expected from Mark Andrews. Um, Tyron Matthew took, you know, one interception back to the house, and then – he didn't take the other one back to the house because it's too deep. Um, yeah, on the flip side, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, 343, three touchdowns, an interception. CEH had a rough day, 13 carries. Yep. Yep, fumble. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a good question. Where are you guys on CEH? Is he finally benchable for you guys? Until the, until they do it, I don't know if you can, but he killed he killed my money line parlay. He did it. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I liked when he was running. He he didn't, you know, he had some nice runs. Uh, obviously, the fumble kind of killed him, but. At the end of the day, I don't think this offense really wants to get away from just being a pass-happy offense. Um, they kind of hinted at it, but, I mean, I, it just doesn't show on the stats. He only got 13 carries. You know, like, that's that's not the type of offense that this offense wants to be. But um, on the flip side, Kelsey. Kelsey had seven receptions, 109, a touchdown. Hill was predominantly covered double covered the entire time. So it was pretty much pick your poison, you know, Kelsey or Hill and they picked Kelsey and Kelsey ripped them up. Pringle had a nice run, uh, 63 yards and a touchdown, mostly on uh, his long, his long score. Uh, Hardman, Hardman came in the clutch. He had five for 55. And then uh, Robinson caught a nice one at the end. Oh no, not at the end of the beginning, but um Yeah. Then let's finally finish this bad boy out with the Monday night game. How do you guys feel about Jared Goff? I feel like the Green Bay defense is atrocious. Yeah, (laughs) that's fair enough. But to be honest, though, I think Detroit did the smartest thing, and they got Jared Goff a left tackle 
because he looks comfortable in that pocket. He looks very comfortable in that pocket. He was throwing great bombs early on. I mean, he had Hawkinson in the corner of the end zone over the shoulder. You could literally see the ball probably about a couple fingers above the defender. It was perfect spot, a dime, perfect dime. But, you know, as it as is game script sometimes, you know, when uh, when you're supposed to lose, you're supposed to lose. So I would say Goff had a good showing. You know, he went for 246, two touchdowns, an interception. Uh, Swift made up for his day in the receiving end. He had uh, five targets, four receptions, 41 yards. He didn't really do too much. In the run game, I mean, he was efficient, but they just didn't – they haven't decided, like, how they're going – they've decided they're going to evenly split this, and it's it's not going to benefit DeAndre Swift owners as far as the rushing attack goes. He went eight for 37. Um, when you when you really look at the stat line, Goff was the leader with rushing yards of 46, so that tells you a lot about that. Um, Hawkinson had another good day, eight of 66, and a touchdown – uh, Cephas only had almost had two touchdown catches with that um, freaking OBJ catch that didn't happen. <laughs> nice attempt, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, on, the, <laughs> on the other side, Rogers went for two fifty five, four touchdowns. Um, I mean, another day at the woodshed for him. He it seemed like the entire attack was based around getting Aaron Jones going. And that's what they did. He had 67 yards and a touchdown rushing and three touchdowns for our three touchdowns receiving with 48 yards and six catches. Devontae Adams led the team with eight catches and 121. Um, so, guys, got a question for you. Um, when, when you see... Uh, Jones day like that, but you see that the yards weren't necessarily there. Do you worry about it because he was going against such a weak Detroit defense? Like, do you worry about it at all? Uh, I'm not. To me, what's plaguing the Packers offense, and this is like everyone that's on the Packers offense, they kicked it on in the second half for sure. Uh, To me, the problem is that they get like – three, four, five max possessions in the first half because their defense will never take anyone off the field. If if you want to have one possession on offense take 10 minutes, just play the Green Bay Packers because you can make it happen. Uh, it, they just cannot get off the field. Uh, I think it was three possessions uh, against the Saints in the first half, uh, a, a big, you know, what compounded that game into what it ended up being. And it was, what, four or five against the Lions? Not much better. Uh, it, it's hard to, especially in the run game, just because that is such a, a you know, it, and it's hard for a, a franchise running back to get a lot of value when you're you're winning like that. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not worried about it at all. Well, I mean, they were also without Darius Smith. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I know he was—he's their main pressure guy. One hundred percent. 
It's yeah, it's, it was definitely a showing of two different halves because the second half, Goff, you know, he goffed it up. <laughs> Fumble term, no. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah. So, yeah, that was that was the game, and um, Robert Tunyon also went for a touchdown. So, mm-hmm. big Bob Tunyon. Bob Tunyon. I think he's going to end up being, you know, they're searching for this number two receiver. I think that the one thing they really need to do is start just getting Bob Tunyon back involved in it because they can get Devontae Adams and he can take him all the way downfield. And then when the end zone happens, you know, they'll double cover Devontae, go to Bob Tunyon. Or go to Aaron Jones, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) All right. So next up, we have our belly ups and belly flops. And to start this off, uh, and I, I this can't be a shocker to literally anyone, uh, to start this off, we have our Belly Up Fantasy Player of the Week, as voted by the writers and contributors of Belly Up Fantasy Sports. And, of course, the winner of that is Derrick Henry. Uh, the, we had, you know, handful of votes or whatever. Uh, all of the votes for, were for one of two people, and they were for Derrick Henry or Aaron Jones. That was what it was down to. Um, and yeah, Derek Henry pulled it out. So congratulations to him. Um, so first we'll go around, uh, and do our belly ups and our belly flops. Uh, I'll go ahead and start with, uh, we'll, we'll do two at a time, one belly up and one belly flop uh, at a time to, to kind of speed through this a little bit more. Um, so my belly up, uh, is Terry McLaurin. Uh, I think with Heineke at the helm here. Uh, he is going to be a target machine, and he's going to be very explosive with those targets. Um, and then my disappointment, of course, is the San Francisco running backs as a whole, all of them. Um, they were, I don't think I need to explain that too much. They were incredibly disappointing. Chris? Yeah. I think my belly up is going to have to go to Mike Williams. This is the second week in a row we've seen him get over double-digit targets. Um, I know it's Dallas Cowboys defense, but you still like to how he's being utilized this offense. Maybe the light bulbs finally kind of got off this guy. And one of the three seers out there is a catch for volume and also make the big play. So Mike Williams is going to be my belly up. My belly flop was going to have to probably go um, with Alvin Kamara. I think nobody saw that coming versus Carolina. Everybody has this pie guy who's probably the second or third running back he took off you know, in the second or third pick he took. And to see him basically put a complete dud out there was very disappointing. Uh, eight carries, five yards, I think it was, was involved in the passing game again this week. So I think that's definitely some concerning. I love Alvin Kamara. I don't think you saw him play my belly flop this week because I did not expect that to happen. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. 
Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. My uh, belly up is uh, Julio Jones. Um, Obviously, last week he looked pretty damn terrible. Um, But this week he looked, he put up a stat line that was reminiscent of the Julio Jones we all know. You know, six for 100 yards is what you wanted from him. And yeah, I think he, uh, he's, he's, maybe he's back. And if he's back, hopefully he stays. Um, For my belly flop, it's Zach Wilson. Uh, This is a team that needs someone to be its leader, be, you know, go in there and not throw four picks. I know it's against Belichick, but you know, that that's a, you know, that's a hard, hard, it's a hard, um, it's a hard cliff to fall off of because he's, you know, he came in second pick overall and, you know, just, yeah, it was a rough day. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so my next uh, duo James White, like I said, the PPR god, uh, <laughs> had a really good day as both a receiver and a runner. Uh, you know, not a ton of rushing attempts, but was efficient with them. Great day as a receiver. Uh, got like 18, 19 PPR points. Um, and with where you likely drafted him, if you have him, um, that's fantastic. Uh, he's currently in PPR leagues in RB1, uh, which is both telling of the, the running <laughs> – running back situation so far of the season and also, you know, great for James White. Uh, and then my disappointment would be Tyler Higby. Again, I really thought in the, um, you know, the, the softer coverages that the Colts typically play um, that Tyler Higby would have a huge week against them. Um, and, you know, that just didn't happen. Yeah. So for my second ones, my belly up's come to go to Cooper Cup. Uh, we talked about a little bit with the Rams offense and who, you know, who did we worry about Robert Woods or not. One guy I'm definitely not worried about is Cooper Cup. He looks like to me a clear number one in this offense and maybe one of the top receivers overall in fantasy football. He's going to be consistently involved in this offense and you're seeing a mixture between the big play and the volume. It's always a positive thing. He's got a lot of out feeling things going for him right now where he could probably have to lose the touchdowns possibly this year as well. So Cooper Cup's my guy for my belly up. My belly flop, uh, I'm going to have to go with, <clears throat> unfortunately, Amari Cooper. Amari um, Cooper, I think, had a nice matchup versus the Chargers. I know he got injured towards the end of that game, but three catches, 24 yards, just doesn't get it done for your top receiver. Nobody's drafting Amari Cooper, expecting him to have his kind of work for the Chargers this week. This is my belly flop. I'm going to go with two rookie wide receivers. Uh, my belly up is Rondale Moore, uh, obviously an explosive athlete, and now he has a quarterback that's going to be able to get it to him anywhere on the field. Uh, he looked phenomenal. He almost had two touchdowns. Um, obviously, he fumbled the last one. Uh, it was called back to. But my, uh, I think that he's he's got the potential to be, you know, out of this world as far as his talent goes and as far as what he can do for fantasy football. My belly flop was Devonta Smith. Uh, obviously, drawing a really good matchup against an old man, Josh Norman, and. For the most part, you know, whenever they looked in on that, when they closed up, when they did a close up on them, he was beating him in and out of routes. So it was kind of disappointing. I know that falls more on Jalen Hurts not being able to get the ball out to him, but it was just really disappointing to see him only get two catches. 
All right, so we're going to go ahead and move on to our top takes of the week, our overall uh, biggest fantasy observation of the week. Uh, let's start with you, Justin. Uh, what, what was your big revelation for the week? Um, my big revelation for the week was that uh, Kirk Cousins is going to be uh, – He's still got Kirk Cousins. That Minnesota team is going to be a very efficient offense, and you know I know that's not big revelation, but you know going into the season, you know Kirk Cousins has always kind of taken you know in the QB two range and stuff like that. But it kind of seems like with game script going positive and with Dalvin Cook having good games, he can still be go out there and throw the ball efficiently and still get you you know, three, four touchdowns without throwing an interception. So my revelation is that I missed out on getting Kirk Cousins and I should have just <laughs> I should have gotten Kirk Cousins instead of going with one of the rookies. You know, you name <laughs> I, have, I have really mixed feelings. And one of my more important dynasty leaks to me, um, I traded away Cousins this offseason, but I got Carr and a, a first-round pick in return. Hey, So hey. it's like – well, Cousins is overperforming what I expected from him, but also Carr is too. So it's kind of like, well, this isn't exactly how I thought this would go, but we'll take it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just an yeah. aside. Chris, what's your big take? <laughs> yeah, so you talk about overperforming. I don't talk about underperforming. To me, it's Jacksonville Jaguars offense in general. There's a lot mm-hmm. of hype about this offense and some of the different players. But Trevor Lawrence, number one prop pick, because he can be Justin Herbert numbers. Could he produce? Was he going to use his legs? He's only had two carries for 21 yards so far in the first two games. I think that's definitely concerning for people who thought he was going to come out here and have a rushing floor. Um, the receiving game, talked about Visca Chanel before, what kind of his role is. PPR purposes, you don't belly on this guy because he's getting the targets. But that breakout everybody was talking about, how great he looked, definitely doesn't seem to be materializing. He is that gadget player. I guess each of CTN's injury basically pigeonholed him and where he is stuck going to be that six catch, seven catch. 40, 50 yards, which is what we saw last year. So I think there are a lot of talks about him developing in the right route tree, being a bigger threat. That's not materializing. And then finally, James Robinson. People were really excited about when Travis Etienne did get hurt. They have a bell cow back here. Look how he did last year. He's going to have a couple of numbers. He was, on the, he was on the field way more than he was the week before with Carlos Hyde, who took a lot of his carries. Problem was, wasn't that much more involved in the offense. Um, this is a guy that I just think overall doesn't seem to be a priority for this offense. And with the offensive lines as poor as it is, they're not going to be up in too many games for making a lot of carries. And unlike Gruden last year, just kind of surprising, Jake Gruden did a way better job with his offense getting fantasy numbers with the running backs, with the different quarterbacks out there, than right now Urban Meyer's offense is doing for you by far. Um, and I think even TJ Shark, who had a great week one, had a lot of targets. Week two was just basically disappeared from the, you know, the offense in a lot of ways. The only guy who's been consistent in this offense at all is Marvin Jones. as the one guy everybody kind of wrote off. So I think overall, to me, the Jaguars underperforming isn't going to go anywhere. We talked about kind of having Trevor Lawrence's questions going into the season. Everybody thought his guys is going to be you know, lights out right off the bat. Um, Adam and I kind of talked about on our draft show. We had we had one concern. It was can he read defenses, and so far he's not shown that he can. And this offense is doing nothing to help him make it easy any easier for him either. They're not utilizing his legs, not utilizing his athleticism, and they got a poor offensive line protecting him. So overall, this Jaguars offense kind of being. You know, up and coming, especially for this year of fantasy, isn't going to happen. Yeah. I guess the one thing I will note there here is, again, that this is one of the youngest teams in the league. So I think that there will potentially be some improvements down the line, but we're talking like 
incremental, like small improvements. Like this isn't going to be a night and day, like all of a sudden they're this great offense. I'm certainly not saying that. Uh, I, I just don't want to start writing off players from this team. However, bad look early on and I think it'll get better, but only it can only improve so much, at least in one year. Um, so then my top take, and uh, Chris, I think you'll appreciate this. Do not trust running backs who are coached by the Shanahan tree. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Putting you guys. all the people that put 100 FAAB into Elijah Mitchell are now – Kind of SOL for the rest of the, the season as far as waiver waivers are concerned because someone like me who didn't do that can now just go, hmm, all right, we'll put one on that guy and do it as long as I want to. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that's um, – yeah, can't trust those guys on the Jets or on the Niners. All right, so we'll very, very quickly um, – give some big picture thoughts on some of the big games uh, this upcoming week. Uh, starting, of course, with the Thursday night game of Houston versus Carolina. Um, I'll, I'll let you guys take most of this. Um, I, the only note, I have one note on this that I, I wrote uh, earlier today. I'm, if you know, granted, they're a, a top tier uh, defense regardless so far in fantasy. So they might not be available in uh, more serious leagues. But any league that they are available in, your number one waiver claim is the Carolina defense. If you are a defense streamer, of course, which I, I, I will pretty much no longer ever draft a defense that I don't end up getting rid of to stream anyways. Uh, if you stream defenses, your pick this week, if at all possible, is the Carolina defense with Davis Mills. Just hammer that in. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, Carolina is going to smash Davis Mills, pick Davis Mills off, <laughs> and maybe even we'll see whoever the third string quarterback is. Um, I would also say if you have Sam Darnold, it's not a bad week to start unless you keep you two. Yeah, I just think this is going to be – we got split by two really pretty games on Thursday and offensive games. This is going to be a pretty offensive game. I expect Carolina to kind of play down in the competition a little bit, and I think that while we have a lot of excitement expectations of the defense, I like the defense a lot. I would kind of temper my expectations of the offense because I think this is going to be a game that's going to be low scoring. There's going to be a lot of ball control, and I think you're going to kind of see um, – unfortunately, the Carolina's not really going to get tested. We're not going to get, really think of them yet because they had a really nice schedule so far set up for them. Um, and I think that you're going to still have maybe Sandor will have an effective game. This is Chris Caprio. will still do his. But there's just really nothing you can really take out of this game overall fantasy-wise, in my opinion, either. Yeah. I think we'll see a game that is very similar to the uh, the Patriots-Jets game uh, in that they're just not going to want to show anything really on offense because they won't need to. Um but yeah, I think this would have been a really cool game if Tyrod was out there, but that's just not the case. Um, so moving on to the Chargers Kansas City game, which is much more, <laughs> much more fun to talk about. Uh, I'm interested primarily to see if there's any shift in the receivers after um, after Hill and Kelsey. Uh, Byron Pringle, by all accounts, had a fantastic off off season, off, uh, fantastic preseason, fantastic training camp whatever, uh, made a big play. Nicole Hardman, of course, got targets as if he was the wide receiver too. 
um, but either had less or similar yards despite, you know, getting like six or seven targets versus the two for Pringle. Um, so I, given that there was already some smoke uh, to that, I think that we could start to see some developments there, or at least Pringle, you know, making it is a solid third over Robinson. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see what happens there. And then, of course, I just want to see that Mike Williams hot streak continue. Yeah, I think for me, this is from Kansas City side. I want to see what Clyde Edwards Hilaire does this game. We just saw the Dallas Cowboys have a very nice running game with Pollard and Zeke did well. So mm-hmm. I think this is a game if you're going to utilize the run, the Chiefs should be able to do that. I don't know if we're going to see the, the third receiver kind of materialize yet. A big part of why we saw a third receiver kind of show up this week is because there was such a conscious effort by the Ravens, triple teaming basically Tyree Kill to make sure that everybody else was wide open so that he wasn't going to get the ball. Here you see the Chargers try to do something similar or not. But I think this game overall is going to be very exciting. On the Chargers side, great, agree with Mike Lynn continue to be involved. I think that's not really going to be a question. The Chiefs defense does not seem very good this year. So I talked about this is like the 2018 defense that basically cost the Chiefs an opportunity for Super Bowl because it was so bad. Yeah. If the Chargers don't turn the ball over like they did versus the Cowboys, this team can move the ball against anybody. So it's going to be really exciting to see how this high scoring this game actually can get. Um, and I think it's going to be one of the better games this week to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's gonna be a it's a great clash when these two AFC West teams come in, and um, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see uh, see the shootout, see who uh, who outshoots who, right? Because it's like gonna be like an old gunslinger matchup. But um, yeah, so I mean, I'm interested to see if uh, the Chargers finally get a third receiver kind of pull away from the crowd. You know, whether it's gonna be Jared Cook as the tight end, or if it's gonna be Guyton or Palmer where it's going to emerge. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to see Mike Williams go out there and tear it up. He's been great. And then, obviously, I want Eckler to have a good game, too. I'm a huge Eckler fan. Yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and move on to the Seattle-Minnesota game. Uh, and, Chris, actually, why don't you start this one off? change. Yeah, I think obviously this is a game that you start all the guys involved. You're starting Dalvin, you're starting Carson, you're starting Thielen, you're starting Jefferson, you're starting all the guys you basically have in your lineups. I think it's not even necessarily sleeper guys. The KJ Osborne's still an interesting guy. Do you have enough guys to kind of start him? I think as Marines be seen. Um, but one of the things I think is be really interesting for this game is while you're starting all those guys, this game has one or two ways it could go. You have two O and two teams with two coaches who like to control things. So will it be an open game with the Arizona kind of Vikings game was last week where the guys are going back and forth and scoring? Or will this be a game where the defense is trying to win, like Mike Zimmer is trying to keep it controlled and they're trying to round the clock out, trying to make it ugly as possible? Because Pete Carroll is a background similar to do that. So I'm really curious to see how this game kind of unfolds. Will it be a 30, you know, 34-30 game or will it be like a 17-16 game because it has both the makings either way with these coaches involved? Yeah, definitely cannot disagree there. Um, yeah, I, I think this could be a very productive game for all parties involved, but could also not be. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what, yeah. Excited to see how Dalvin Cook does against this defense. This defense is very notorious for stepping it up against big running backs. So, you know, I'm interested to see how he does, see if they get him more involved in the passing game. Um see whether KJ Osborne is actually for real, for real. Like, cause mm-hmm. people are going to start to grab him off the waivers this week. And then 
You know, we're going to kind of see third game comes around. Is he going to be the legit slot receiver? Like, what's his role going to be from now on? Yeah. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yep. Uh, that's, I guess, kind of the interesting part of this, though, right? Isn't that it, this will be a good matchup for him, and that Seattle does typically have pretty strong play out of the nickel, cornerback-wise, um, um, whereas the rest of their defense is potentially not that great. So uh, I would say this is a great test for Osborne. I wouldn't necessarily play him, but if he does show out this week, then I would feel very confident playing him going forward is, I guess, uh, how I feel. Uh, about that. Um, next game would be Rams versus Tampa Bay, which this is another game that I think could go two ways and that defense could both show out and we could see something, uh, you know, just both teams facing a ton of interior pressure when really, uh, you know, that's how we you get to Tom Brady and that's just how you get to a lot of quarterbacks. Um, you know, so you could see that. Uh, make this a low-scoring game, uh, or you could see a shootout, and I'm not real sure which one. My big note was, who do you guys think gets Ramsey? Uh, is it Godwin? Is it Evans? I would imagine it's one of those two, but it, I guess it could be even Antonio Brown. Ramsey does have uh, some history in the slot as well, or is a nickel. Yeah, with Ramsey playing that star position, it is kind of interesting because he can line up in the slot, he can line up on the outside. I think it's going to be Mike Evans. Um, just because I think that he's probably the most talented and clearly probably the guy you want to take away the most. You don't want to have him single coverage with somebody else unless it's going to be Jalen Ramsey. So I think it's going to be Evans. We'll probably see most of Ramsey. Um, I think other guys are still going to be, you know, definitely on your radar. And he doesn't mean you bench Mike Evans because we just saw Pittman have a really nice game versus that all, that defense. So it's not something you necessarily can bank on. Um, Jalen Ramsey has kind of moved on. He hasn't really been shadowing guys as much as last like, since last year as much either. So it'll be kind of interesting to see with that star role, he kind of lines up where they kind of want to utilize him, whether it's going to be a waffle blitz, whether it's going to be matched up with certain guys in certain plays. Mm -hmm. So he might not be seeing anybody, particularly the entire game, just following around the guy. Um, and like you said, I think the offensively, I think you look at the Tampa Bay secondary, Matt Ryan had a nice game. And that was a big part because Tampa Bay secondary is in shambles right now. So mm -hmm. I think that's where I, I see it being a higher scoring game in some senses, because I do think, no matter what, these Rams receivers are going to be effective. Cooper Cup can beat the guy across from them. So can Robert Woods. I definitely like both those guys. Um, I think that one that's going to be interesting is how healthy is Henderson. Talking about his, his ribs, they're hopeful he might play. If he's not, Sonny Michelle looked pretty decent in the second half last week. Uh, wasn't really involved in the passing game at all, though, so got to keep that in mind. Tampa Bay side, 
think he's to go out there. You know, you, you know, Aaron Darnold is a guy you're kind of worried about the pressure the Rams can put on Tom Brady. But the way he's humming with his offense right now, I think is a guy you definitely you don't want to bench any of those base starters either. No. Yeah. yeah, you definitely can't bench him. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I th- I think this could definitely be like a an A B an A B game. Um, but. For as far as who they're going to cover, I don't know because Godwin's been the most impressive through two weeks, right? So I feel like Ramsey could go back and forth. I mean, I, I feel like he might go for Godwin more than anything else because at the end of the day, you're right. You don't want single coverage Mike Evans, but do you want any of these guys single coverage? Like seriously, like they're three number one wide receivers. It's like you don't want any of these guys going against uh, – the other, what's the other corner? Fuller? Is it Williams. Kendall Fuller? What's that? It's Williams. It's on Williams. the other side. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you, you really don't want any of these guys going against a single coverage. But at the end of the day, if you have to pick your poison, I think you pick Godwin. Um, as far as, you know, the offenses go, it's definitely going to be an interesting battle. Uh, I don't think either one of the running games are going to be very effective in this game. Um, as far as Cup goes, I think Cup can definitely have, you know, continuous streak of good games. This could be Robert Wood's breakout game. And it could even be Higby's breakout game, to be honest with you. Uh, I like Winfield Jr., but I don't – I see Higby as being too much of a matchup for him. Um, but, yeah, and then on the other side – Whoever doesn't get Jalen Ramsey should probably be considered, you know, a heavy contender for having a good week. Um, mm-hmm. And then Gronk. Gronk. Gronkineers, man. Gronkineers. This guy is <laughs> – he's got some weird juju going around him right now. I mean, he's he's been retired and everything, and he's still – Doesn't watch film. Doesn't do anything. He just doesn't. goes out there and gets touchdowns. <laughs> Shows up to practice on Wednesday. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think he's probably in for another touchdown game. I mean, that would, that would be my best prediction on that. Um, yeah, what I got. All right, so Sunday night, Green Bay versus San Francisco. Uh, I only have one note here as well, and it is a 49ers runner, Will Gouge, the Green Bay Packers. Who is it? Who is it? Nobody knows. But one of them's going to do it, and everyone's going to, by the end of the week, decide that, oh, it's this guy. It's, you know, it's whoever. And then someone, Trenton Cannon's going to come out of the blue and run 25 times for 300 yards, and we're all going to be like, well, that's not who we thought was going to happen. But, yeah, I don't know who it's going to be, but a running back on the Niners will gouge the Packers. Carry on Johnson for five touchdowns. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, my note for this game is once Jair Alexander is on Debo Samuel, who's going to step up? Like, is Kittle going to step up? He hasn't really shown he's been stepping up, but they've been doing a lot of blocking with him in short passes. Like, do you finally use the play-action pass and get him open across? Um you know, is this the first week Ayuk is finally out of the doghouse? Like, do we get to see who this Trent Sherfield is? Like, what what's going to go on there? I mean, we saw Jawan Jennings step on the field. Jawan Jennings was a sixth-round pick out of 
not last year, but the year before his draft, you know, who who's going to step up and be that number two? Because he's probably going to have to be the number one on that game with Debo having Jair Alexander the entire game. That would be my question. Yeah, I mean, for me, this game, the big thing is they're going to be, does Aaron Rodgers continue to kind of exert himself and kind of get back in shape? He still looks a little bit rusty to me. He still has some throws he usually makes. So it's going to be interesting versus beat up secondary on San Francisco. They can tackle well, so I don't know if Aaron Jones is going to have quite the game that he had. He should still be pretty effective. And then on the green, on the 49ers side, I'm with Adam. Yeah, Adam, I think that's the key question. If, uh, so many injuries, Trey Summers monthly to be out with a concussion. You have Hasty putting on IR, so he's not going to be playing. It won't be him. Will Elijah Mitchell kind of get back in shape, or will he be okay enough to play? Your questions about just a stinger, what's really wrong with his shoulder. He did finish out the game after Sermon had the fumble and was, you know, basically how concussed. Um, they did sign Patrick this today. They signed Carryon Johnson to their practice squad. They had Trent Cannon, like you pointed out. So it's going to be somebody because we both, we think we all agree that Green Bay defense isn't any good. You can run on it, you can throw on it. So both those guys, you know, somebody's going to have a good game for the 49ers, hopefully. Every time you kind of think they're for the 49ers, it winds up being 14-11 like this Eagles game was this past week. So I, for me, this is probably the biggest game I'm going to look at because I want to see both of these teams are really trending. Is Green Bay for real? There was a bounce back or was this you play Detroit for the 49ers? You know, can you actually score well and score a lot versus defense that you should be able to do so against? All right. And finally, moving on to – a Monday night showdown of uh, division rivals in Dallas and Philadelphia. Um, the Dallas defense has improved to an extent. I mean, I, no, it's outright Those turnovers. Improved. It's outright improved. Um, that may not be saying a lot because it was absolutely atrocious uh, last year, but it, it genuinely held up well against Tampa Bay, and you know, and well against the Chargers. I mean, it wasn't like they were stopping teams from scoring, but getting some turnovers and not letting things get away from them. Uh, you know, again, certainly better than last year. Um, so that'll be something to watch uh, because Hurts, again, we've seen two very different Jalen Hurtses. Uh, it's, this isn't a cakewalk like it would have been last year for him. Um, on the flip side, uh, you know, we lost uh, a defensive lineman on the Eagles, but this still should not be a cakewalk for uh, the running backs on Dallas either. Um, they're going to still have a tough time. I get they have a fantastic offensive line, and they really do, especially for running the ball. Um, but I, I wouldn't uh, feel incre- like overly confident about the Dallas running backs. Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting game. We have you know, question about Mari Cooper and his ribs. Will he be healthy enough to play this week? Jerry Jones came out and basically says, we hope so. Um, that's not necessarily a guarantee that he will. And if he's not out there, you know, suddenly Cedric Wilson becomes a receiver, too. We know Michael Gallup's been on put on the IR, so he's not out there. That receiving depth that you saw in the Cowboys kick off the season isn't going to quite be there, which could really match up well with the Eagles. If you talked about, especially with the running backs, probably not going to have the best of the games because they have been really good against the rush so far this year. And that front, that front four can get pressured. Cowboys' offensive line still kind of not really where it needs to be, I think, especially path protection-wise. Um, they did ground out well this year. You did get you – know, so, I mean, last week you did get Martin back. Um, but it's still not protecting Dak as good as you'd kind of hope for. And I think this is going to be a big game for Dak. If he can come out and kind of dominate like that week one versus Tampa, they should be able to pull out this game. If not, then I think it could be the Eagles because while I agree with you, Dallas' defense is much better. 
It's something they're definitely giving up yards and kind of living off the turnovers right now. So if the Eagles don't turn the ball over, it definitely all the guys can kind of be involved. You know, Devontae Smith can have a good, have a good matchup. You know, Hurts can have a nice, nice game, and so can the running back. So it's going to be really interesting. It's another game where it's in the division, so it could be a really high-scoring game or it could be a low-scoring game. Those division games are always really interesting. Absolutely. All right, guys. Oh, I was just going to say, I want to see more of what the, who the Eagles really are. Are they that team that got everybody involved in the first week or the, the team that was reduced to just Jalen Hurts in the second week? That's really what, I feel like there's a lot of questions to be answered on the Dallas end, but it's mostly on their defense. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, before we get out of here, we have one last thing to do. Um, brief uh, waiver wire. We'll do this again as our uh, pairs. Um, who are you uh, watching and dropping, uh, picking up? Get two guys. Uh, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, I, I decided to do the opposite of, of what we normally do here. So watch Cephas. He's getting good targets, uh, has made some pretty good catches, almost made another fantastic catch. Um, but then do not pick up. Uh, so, again, this is where I'm kind of making a change here. But do not pick up Freddie Swain. Don't do it. That is bait. That is bait. How many times have we seen these random freaking Seattle wide receiver threes mm-hmm. pop off for a couple games and guys are like, oh, well, let's go pick them up off the waiver wire and they will go eight points for the rest of the season. That's what's going to happen. This I would feel this way even if they hadn't just selected a young wide receiver in the second round. But they also did that. <laughs> Don't put any stock at all into the Seattle wide receiver three at this point in the season. Uh, Chris? Um, so I guess my pickup of the week would probably be Ron Bellmore. We talked about his explosive. We talked about his role in the mm-hmm. offense. I think that even if he's – I was concerned. I didn't play him this week myself, which I kind of regretted. Um, but I didn't play him because I was worried about the staff count and how much involved is he going to be. But one thing is clear is when he's out there, he is involved. There's multiple ways to get him the ball. He reminds me a lot of Tyree Kills. Once you get the ball in his hands, he can make big plays. And I think it's sooner than later, but he kind of is a guy that they're going to rely more and more on his offense with. So I think it's somebody you want to you want to get you know, head of the waiver wire, pick up, and jump on that. The guy that I think you should have necessarily on your watch list for me is um, <clears throat> I would probably have to go with tough one. I think for me, I'm gonna have to go with it. Os- KJ Osborne have my watch list. I am interested to see he had had to go back to back weeks, but it's also been a lot with game flow as well. The Vikings had to come back. back Vikings had to score points and had to come back in a lot of these games. So will they actually be able to feed a third receiver in the offense consistently? That to me remains to be seen. I think this is going to be an interesting game to see that if he does go out there and have another great game, then you can at least know when it's a game they have high scoring opportunity. It's a guy you can roll out there with confidence. But I think that's going to be the guy I think you should have on your watch list. Don't run out there and go pick him up yet because I think it's still we're going to see really what it's going to be moving forward. All right, Justin, bring us home. All right. I'm actually going to go with K.J. Osborne as my waiver wire ad. All right. <laughs> I, I've been uh, talking him up all episode. Um, I like the offense. I think it's going to succeed in positive and negative game script, and I think he's going to be involved in it in some way, shape, or form every game. Um, one guy I'm going to watch list is Harrison Bryant. Now with 
Landry down, OBJ is kind of still questionable. Um, they're going to start having to use, you know, their three tight ends. And we saw it with this past week. He went um, four targets, four receptions, 49 yards. Um, last year, when he was called upon, he had an explosive two touchdown game. He's also, you know, the, I think it was the 2019 Mackey Award winner. You know, he's he's a good tight end, essentially. And with a team that needs a good receiver or any receiver right now, he could be the guy to kind of step up for him. So I'd, right. watch, I'd watch Harrison Bryant. All right. I like it. Um, we will absolutely be coming back to KJ Osborne next week. Let's see how we, how we feel. <laughs> uh, otherwise, it's been a pleasure, as always, to talk to you guys tonight. It's uh, been super fun. Um, but, yeah, we are out of here, Belly Up Nation. We will see you next Tuesday. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the U.K. for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21+. plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.